Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friends. Today's video is going to be a collection of stories that normally wouldn't fit topics on my channel. So we're gonna make them a good video for a nighttime horror story topic. Now, these stories are incredibly detailed. They have so much going on in them, so definitely be sure to keep your ears open because you might miss some details that are really freak you out. These stories are absolutely filled with twists and turns and I can't wait for you to hear them. I'd love to know your opinions down in the comments below and if you'd like me to do more videos like this in the future. Be sure to subscribe, hit that like button if you're new, send in any stories you may have to share at swampdweller.net and get ready for these allegedly true and creepy horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. To get this story started, here is a bit of background information about myself. I am a female. 17 years of age. I'm very petite, weighing about 100 pounds and standing at just 5'3". I recently joined my local gym around January 2019 and have started a routine of when I work out every day, except for Monday, sometime around 6pm usually, and usually I'll stay for about an hour or two depending on the day and how I feel. Anyone who goes to the gym regularly notices others around them and gets familiar with what times and machines are usually available and if a new person comes, you usually notice them. My point is, is that you get used to these people in the gym with you, whether or not you communicate with them. As a girl who goes to the gym, from my experience, you will get the occasional glance from a weirdo or make awkward eye contact with someone staring at you in the mirror. But all you can do is stare back at them dead in the eyes and give them the nastiest look of disgust. Now, the time that I go to the gym is when everyone usually starts to leave. I am very antisocial and shy, so this works out great for me. Or so I had thought, having some alone time would be excellent. And if something were to happen, they would have cameras everywhere. Now I know this is a stupid way to think. But knowing that you had to have a keycard to get into the gym and one to get out was a comfort along with the cameras. For this past month of me doing my workouts, I got this weird vibe from this random guy we will call Randy. As I said, you usually get people looking at you. So it is hard to tell if someone is genuinely a significant threat or just someone being a creep. Either way, both are usually bad, but it's difficult to distinguish the two. I told my mom about this Randy guy because my gut feeling told me something was just wrong and I felt like I needed some advice. She told me we should tell the manager and have them kick him out. But being naive and friendly, I didn't want to kick a guy out just for giving me the creeps. It wasn't a good argument at the time. I started to notice some of the other girls weren't coming as regularly as they would. I brushed this off thinking they had work or were out of town or something. It was really none of my business, but it was something to note. The staff of the gym leaves around 6.30pm and I noticed that Randy was coming in almost precisely when the manager and staff would leave. Again, I didn't really pay too much attention to this because he could have just been a regular person trying to work out at a specific time due to his job or whatever was going on in his life. This was a huge mistake on my end. 
Here is me trying to reason with myself and rationalize that nothing was going on because I constantly saw Randy, so I considered him one of the regulars, I guess. But this is where the story actually begins. I went to do my daily workout and the manager, let's call her Alyssa, came up and talked to me about other girls who worked out at the same time I did. These girls were complaining about Randy secretly recording them while they worked out. The girls changed their workout schedule due to Randy which explains why I saw fewer and fewer of them. She asked me if I had seen any men holding their phone up to their chest and walking with the camera pointed outwards. I said no until I told Alyssa about this random man, Randy, who was starting to creep me out. She said she would look into it and update me on the situation, mainly since I'm underaged. The next day, Alyssa talked to me. She said that one of the girls who complained about him pointed him out on the cameras and that she would wait for Randy to come back into the gym, kick him out, and trespass him if he ever came back. She left that night not knowing what had happened because Alyssa was still waiting after I left. I returned to the gym that following Tuesday and Alyssa told me everything that had gone down. She had said that she waited till Randy and his buddy, who we will call Kyle, came to the gym and were parked outside. Alyssa had a friend who was a sheriff. Apparently, he rang up Randy's license plates and, to both of their surprises, he was a registered sex offender and had put on probation recently. Alyssa then found out that Randy didn't even have a keycard, meaning he was not a member of the gym and shouldn't have been using the gym, period. His friend Kyle had a keycard and was letting Randy in. They would work out sometimes and wait for the staff to leave and do creepy things. Alyssa prohibited both of the men entering the gym again and kicked them out. The scary thing is that I remember being alone in that gym with those two guys very often. They blended in very well, and I considered them just average workout people. I'm still not sure if Randy or Kyle recorded me, but Alyssa told me she was going to look through the footage and let me know any other news she could, such as them recording me and all that. It is terrifying to think that I got accustomed to these guys regularly being at the gym. I am so thankful that Alyssa kept me informed on the situation. As terrifying as it is, it shows that you should always be aware of what's happening around you and to trust your instincts. It also shows that you never can trust anyone you think you might know. As stupid as it sounds, it's easy to get comfortable with people we see daily even if we don't know who they are. But who knows what might have happened if I caught Randy and Kyle alone again. Please be careful at all times. Never judge anyone for good or bad until you actually know them. You never know what might be out there to hurt you. Thank you for your time in reading the story. Every Barbie has her Ken by J. Beardify. At my college, Halloween is the social event of the year. As soon as the leaves start to change, the campus comes alive. Art students gather in the quad to design and assemble homemade costumes. Sororities hold pumpkin carving competitions and fraternities compete to throw the wildest, freakiest parties imaginable. Two years ago, Kappa Alpha hired costume actors to hide inside the closets and hide behind the shower curtains of the party to give people jump scares. But they lost the informal competition to one of the other medical fraternities who'd stolen a real John Doe quartz from the autopsy lab and put it in their bathtub full of ice and drinks. They got in a lot of trouble for that one. Everyone was always trying to outdo each other. I guess it's no surprise that Halloween here has a dark side as well. 
those jump scare actors hiding in the Kappa Alpha house, they weren't all actors. One was a guy that just came off the street, slipped on a costume, and tried to drag a girl from the party into the abandoned basement. But some of the guys fought him off. He was never caught. Oh, and the corpse at that medical fraternity party? The morning after, they found someone had bitten pieces off of it. Last year, my buddy Matt was in charge of organizing our frat's Halloween party. He's a buff, blonde, handsome guy with a good sense of humor. So, one of us jokingly suggested his costume should be Ken from the Barbie franchise. And he went with it. Matt even started walking around campus in costume the week before Halloween trying to drum up interest in our party. I noticed, though, he had started looking worn and haggard. I asked him what was going wrong. You wouldn't even believe me if I told you, was his tired response. As it turned out, he didn't have to. A few nights later, as we were unloading crates of fake spider webs to decorate the frat house, I saw her for the first time. The woman was dressed in all pink and freakishly exaggerated makeup and big blonde hair. She was coming towards us along the sidewalk and she was moving like a doll. Matt, there's... The woman just stopped beneath a streetlight, staring at my friend. But when I finally got him to turn around, the bulb flickered and she was gone. The next day I saw her again, or another woman just like her, walking through the hallway between classes. Her proportions were all wrong, if like a Barbie doll had become human. Her wrist and ankles were way too thin, her chest and hips too big. I felt sick thinking of how a person could have mutilated their body to get in such a shape like that, but on her face was a perfect plastic smile. As she passed by, she ran her freakishly long pink fingernails through Matt's hair. See you at the party, Ken, baby, she whispered. I turned to say something, but she had already turned around and been carried away by the crowd. That, Matt shuddered. That is the wrong Barbie. I, I, I see her everywhere. The other day, while I was on the toilet, someone came into the bathroom in hot pink heels. She stood right outside of the stall door, whispering, Ken, baby, don't you want to come out and play? By the time I got up, she was gone. One of the sororities must be screwing with me. That's gotta be it, right? I wasn't so sure. Maybe it was just her tanning bed baked, wrinkly skin, but Matt's Barbie looked too old to still be in college. I guess I shouldn't have been surprised to see her at the fraternity party. Matt's Barbie was bringing him a pair of drinks, one for him and one for her. She floated through the crowd of students like a blonde cloud in hot pink heels wearing that big fake smile. Now that I was closer to her, I realized she couldn't have made any other expression. It was like her face had been plastic surgery to only make that smile forever. Just like a doll's, she didn't speak to anyone except Matt and she called him Ken all night. She whispered to him in a cutesy but also really creepy babying voice that made her face seem even more like a plastic mask. I was worried about my friend. I went through all three floors of the house asking if anyone knew the woman in the Barbie outfit, but nobody did. I figured it was time to tell Matt to throw her out, but when I went back downstairs, Barbie was sitting on Matt's lap and he had a boozy, contented smile on his face. Everyone else obviously uncomfortable around this weirdly proportioned stranger, but it was Matt's party. If he wanted to make out with an older woman with a thing for Barbie, who the hell were we to deny him? I didn't see Matt again until I was getting some vodka out of the ice-filled bathtub a few hours later. He came stumbling in, grabbed the sides of the toilet, and puked up an awful-smelling hot pink liquid. <laughs> Bitch, he snarled. 
She put something in my drink. She's, she's out of here. He staggered woozily back into the crowd. I breathed a sigh of relief. Barbie was giving me creeps. I'd be glad to see her gone, honestly. But wait, Matt was drugged. Could he really handle her on his own? I pushed my way through the costumed crowd. No Matt. I started to panic and ran out front. Barbie had her hands under Matt's armpits. She was dragging him towards the open back door of some sort of white van. I must have screamed because a bunch of guys came running. When we surrounded her, she pulled a needle of this... of... I don't even know how to explain it. It was some sort of substance inside. Which one of you camboys wants to find out what's in the needle, hmm? She hissed at us in that weird baby voice. We put our hands up and backed off, but the distraction gave Matt time to tear himself out of the grasp of her freakishly long nails. Still jabbing the needle in our direction, Barbie got into the driver's seat and burnt rubber. I scrambled to read the license plate as the van's taillights disappeared into the chilly Halloween night. We stood there in silence for quite a few minutes, panting, too stunned by what we had just seen to say freaking anything. Matt puked up another puddle of that acidic pink stuff, and we knew we had to get him to the hospital. It was an unspoken rule at our college that we never went to the police about any shenanigans that we got up to on Halloween. But, but this was different. Matt had been drugged. The license plate number of the white van had found it to be stolen. They traced it to an abandoned, foreclosed house in a rundown suburb on the edge of town, and what they discovered in the basement confirmed our story. Both of the young men found in the abandoned house had been the same age, body type, and hair color as Matt. Their corpses had even been dressed in matching Ken costumes. Our Barbie had apparently been doing amateur plastic surgery on their faces and bodies, trying to make them perfect trying to make them like her. Of course, there was no anesthesia, and losing so much blood is always fatal. I'm sure that if we wouldn't have stopped the woman in pink, the same thing would have happened to Matt. What scares me the most, however, is that our Barbie is still out there, cruising Halloween parties, looking for her next Ken. Delivery Driver by E.B. Davis I'm a delivery driver. Sometimes I wake up not remembering where I am. Yeah, it's not the usual sort of delivery job. Take this morning, for instance. Right now, I've just polished off an omelet and I am finishing off my coffee before hitting the road. About an hour ago, I woke up in a room in a Motel 6 across the street. It had been uncomfortably warm, the failing air conditioning still chugging away, and I had woken with a nasty headache the result of a poor night's sleep. Other than that, I had no idea where I was. It was the heat that I remembered first, if you consider it a memory and not something that never went away. I had checked in at about 7 the previous evening. It was a hot summer day, western exposure, and the poor air conditioner never even had a chance. But if I would have known that this air conditioning would fail so badly, I would have asked for a different room or gone somewhere else. I'm not very picky, I just like to not be hot. I pulled the double curtain open just a bit to notice my view of Interstate 5 real up close. Oh, that's right. I was in Redding, Northern California. With that keystone in place, the rest of my memory popped back into place rather well. Yesterday, I had woken up in Eugene, Oregon, made stops in Florence, Eureka, Cave Junction, Weed, and finally Redding before stopping for the night. 
The day before that, I had woken in Vancouver, British Columbia, with stops in Bellingham, Edison, Alma, Aberdeen, and Astoria before making my way south to Eugene. Today I had stops to make in Zamora, Livermore, Castroville, and Grapevine. Not sure yet where I'll stop tomorrow. Haven't checked my list yet, but it doesn't really matter much. I suppose my memory is pretty decent when I've got a reference to start from. Maybe that's part of why I was picked for this job. Like I said, it's not the usual sort. I drive most of the day and stop somewhere, usually somebody's house or apartment. I drop off a package, often I'll pick up a new one from the same customer and then drive on to the next. I've got a list, a few weeks worth, updated regularly. I've only met my employer, or I suppose I should say my fellow employee of our employer once, when I was hired. It was strange. First, they recruited me, right out of the blue, a total cold call. Second, I didn't even think having a PhD was a usual criteria for their delivery drivers, you know? Since then, I've only communicated by email or phone, and rarely that. I hadn't expected to accept the offer when I showed up at the little commercial office. The pay was unsustainably generous. I drive a company car they've paid for, though they let me pick it out. I suggested a Mercedes S-Class as a joke, but they didn't hesitate. They gave me a card for food and gas expenses, also hotels. Understand that I don't always sleep in cheap, crummy, sleazy hotels. I'll often stop at a swaggy four-star resort. It's just that sometimes you just want to get off the road and put your feet up. Even the cheap rooms usually offer a basic standard of quality. And when you're on the road all day every day, the bad rooms and the good rooms tend to just blur together. That's why sometimes I just don't remember where I am. Food, hotels, entertainment, really, I have a lot of leeway in how I want to go about my day. Even on the weekends and holidays, I can still use the card. The only thing I need to concern myself with are the few simple aspects of the job. I knock on a stranger's door. I give them the package I've been carrying and or they give me a new one. The package is of reasonable proportions, never too big or heavy or unwieldy, very nondescript. I place that package in the trunk of my car, always the trunk, drive to the drop-off, and repeat. I'm to drive carefully and responsibly, which I'd always do anyway, and I'm not to drink or take drugs while driving, or, for that matter, drive while tired or texting, which I'd never do anyway. Minor speeding is not really much of an issue. Five or ten over the speed limit on a freeway is not a big deal. If there's any kind of delay, that's not my fault. Unexpected road closures, mechanical trouble, major incidents, inclement weather, it's not really a problem. I just need to phone it in and the company will take care of it. Contact the customers and I can continue on when possible. I'm to not draw attention to myself. If I'm pulled over, I'm to act responsibly and respectfully. And if I receive a ticket, the company will pay the fine. Several years in and I've never had a problem. I am absolutely not to give a police officer any probable cause to search the trunk or the package therein. If a police officer does search, I am to, at the immediate earliest opportunity, call the number the company had me memorize and their legal department will take care of the situation. Afterwards, my position will be terminated and I will be giving a generous severance package. The contract makes it very clear that the company is totally liable for any contents of the package and I am simply a courier, ignorant of the package's contents. 
I am never to investigate the contents of the package. If I attempt to, my position will be immediately terminated without any severance package. The contract makes it clear that this is how I personally remain unliable for any of the contents. What my contract doesn't say, but I can only guess, is that this is the reason for my exorbitant salary. I suppose maybe there are filthy rich people out there who will pay large sums of money to have various private but perfectly legal items delivered discreetly. I honestly don't think that's the case though for many of these. First, most of the rich people I've met are pretty stingy and would ship something highly valuable by UPS, ground service if they could save a few bucks. Second, I'm pretty sure our customers aren't rich. I meet them personally at their doors. The stop in Alma the other day was at a freaking trailer park. So naturally, my speculation, and for legal purposes, I'll repeat, this is only speculation, was that maybe these packages have illegal contents. I used to spend a lot of time thinking and worrying about what sort of illegal content it could be. I don't think it's drugs, they have their own system of mules for that, right? Maybe that's only on TV, I don't know. Of all the things it could be though, the two possibilities that cost me the most consternation were smuggling or fencing in some kind of valuable commodity, like jewels or works of art. The only other thing that's related that kind of had me nervous was smuggling priceless antiquities. I've read articles about how that's a very lucrative trade, how it's a very small and organized community, and very, very rich. I still don't know what the deal is with the customers though, or maybe that's just some sort of front. There was also something kind of exciting about being involved with illicit antiquities trades. Like I was a minor bad guy out of an Indiana Jones movie. Now don't get me wrong, I don't support the trade and would prefer those things find their way to museums. I was only ever speculating about that anyway, usually to keep my mind occupied during the more boring parts of the drive. There are other illegal things I'd very much not want to be transporting on a more moral level. I know better now, and besides, they were paying me specifically not to know what was in the packages I was delivering. And boy do they pay. The thing is, I'm hardly ever at home. I paid off my mortgage the first year. The only expenses I really pay are property taxes, housekeeping services, insurance, and utilities. That means the paychecks just keep stacking up in my account. I thought about investing in stocks or something. I mean, if you've got money, you can leverage it to make more money. But I'm in no rush. I don't think I'll be needing to invest. I have no concern about making more money than I've already got. In fact, it's piling up so fast that I thought I might start buying up more houses. Not as real estate investment, not at first. The idea was I'd buy a house in different parts of the country, and if I were in the state on a weekend trip or something, I could stay at that house while I was out on my route, just for the comfort of it. I'd also be something like a security blanket if I ever did quit or lose this job and didn't want to travel anymore, I could pick my favorite place to live and sell the other houses, which would most certainly appreciate faster than the rest of my savings account interest ever could. So, that's why I'm perfectly content with being a delivery driver. You know what? I enjoyed the driving too. It's a nice perk. You might think long distance driving all day must be a terrible bore that wears you out. And that's partly true, I won't lie. But in my opinion, the sights I've seen make it all worth it. I get off the main freeway a lot too, so it's not like it's just long distance trips you're trying to finish as fast as possible. I see grand sights. The Columbia River Gorge at sunset and autumn, 
and the Grand Tetons at dawn. The New York skyline from all the bridges, the lights of LA at night from the Hollywood Hills, and so on. It's the subtle stuff, though, that makes your heart ache. I remember a curving, winding road going over rolling hills in Nebraska with pretty little farmhouses around each bend. An old barn in Vermont with the fog growing in sheets on the low ground at dusk. The view from a recently plowed road in the high Cascades where the peaks surrounding you were covered in such fresh snow that it looked like marshmallow fluff. A great fault block mountain rising out of the barren flatlands of eastern Oregon. So high, so wide, it generated its own rich ecosystems. A little old mining town in West Virginia where all of the buildings were so old they all had historical provenance. Not because they're preserved by historical societies, but because they've been well used and maintained by the people that love them. A lightning storm at night in rural Louisiana that seemed to roll on for affinity. I thought about getting a little dashboard camera and recording my trips. I guess that's what led to it all unraveling. I'd forgotten I'd bought the thing online on a whim from a hotel room until I found it among the unusual stack of packages on a trip home. By then, I'd set the idea aside as rather pointless. I'd never find the time to edit such a video anyway, let alone watch it. The scenery I had always enjoyed was going to be a fleeting moment enjoyed spontaneously and maybe again in memory. A dash cam would never really recapture the moments. So then I started thinking about what else I could use the little camera for. I guess it was always a dumb idea. Now that I look back, I don't know why I thought of it in the first place. I had the camera, I had the car, I had the mysterious packages in the trunk. I'm not going to say I never thought about opening the packages. It was sort of like being at some kind of console at work, with a big red button, and your boss tells you that no matter what, never push the big red button. Sure, you wonder what would happen. That temptation, though, never came close to breaking my will, or at least my will to keep getting paid so well. I guess that's why I put the camera in the trunk, along with a floodlight. I could study the package without actually opening it. That's what the contract said, after all. I was supposed to keep the package in the trunk and I was not supposed to examine its contents. It never said anything about the exterior. It never said anything about not having cameras in the trunk. I know now that that must have been some sort of loophole my employers had never really considered. I suppose in the future, they, they will fill that loophole up. I only found the loophole by dumb luck. I never really used the car's navigation system. I always had a great sense of direction, and I'd go over all the directions to my destinations from the luxury of my hotel room the night before. So, the large monitor on the dash of my luxury car seldom displayed anything but the station ID of the radio channel or the title of the audiobook I was listening to. So, I ran a USB cable from it all the way to the trunk through the back seats to the console. The video feed showed up at the push of a button on my steering wheel. I immediately wondered why I even bothered. On the first trip I checked and it was exactly what I'd expect. A view of my trunk, 12 packs of coke, my toolbox, and the package. All exactly as I had left it. I think I remember feeling embarrassed, so I turned off the feed. I turned it back on the next few deliveries and each time was the same so I almost forgot I'd even bothered in the first place. 
It was some time later, I don't remember exactly how much, but I was on the road to Spooner, Wisconsin. I was scrolling through my media during one of those boring stretches. I came to the trunk cam feed and paused because something felt off. I'm not sure why, I just felt the little hairs on my arms raise up. It was an instinctual sort of feeling. Now that I look back, I wonder if it was the instinct that led me to put the camera in the first place, or something else. I kept the feet on as I drove and kept glancing at the screen suspiciously. My first thought was that there was some kind of light out. It looked shadowy somehow, except that didn't make any sense. There was only one light in the trunk, the floodlight I had put on a hook on the ceiling of the trunk. It was bright as it had ever been, except in the spot by the package I was carrying. I couldn't figure it out. I kept driving and I kept my eye on it, and it kept getting darker and darker. Then I noticed the spot on the package itself. It was sort of the reverse of a light from a flashlight, a spot of darkness if you will, round and fairly distinct if not sharp, and it grew. It grew sort of like a tumor, like you might imagine a small melanoma on pale skin, getting bigger and bigger. It grew until the whole package was very dark despite the light. I kept trying to think of a reasonable explanation. Camera artifacts, digital compression, LED branding glitches, but nothing really explained it. Then it got blacker. The total absence of light, it was like a package wrapped in a black paper. It was like some kind of hole in three dimensions matching perfectly the length, width, and height of the package. I felt sure if I could change the position of the camera, the hole would change with proportions of the package. I almost wanted to pull over and open the trunk to see it with my own two eyes, but now I was, I was way too close to the delivery site, so I waited and I drove another 20 miles or so. I turned the feed off because I couldn't handle the temptation, and I quite frankly didn't want to see what the heck was going on. When I finally stopped and popped the trunk, the package looked exactly like it was supposed to. Brown paper wrapping, the kind of clear tape with the little parallel strings running through it, an address label with my company's letterhead on it. The man who signed it was an older man living in what looked like a vacation cabin on a lake. He seemed no different than any other customer. He gave me another package to deliver, this one to Minnesota. If he noticed me acting strange, he didn't let on at all. One of the more personal things about this whole experience was that I was honestly disturbed how quickly I accepted it all. I used to be a rational, logical, scientifically minded person. Now within the span of literally an hour, I had accepted the paranormal wholesale. Everything I understood about the world was thrown out the window. I kept expecting my phone to ring, a company representative calling me to tell me about my position being terminated, but they somehow just physically knew that their cover had been blown. I had a very restless night that night in my hotel room in Minneapolis. I thought my life was in danger. I was dealing with something far beyond my mortal understanding. No one ever came though. No one ever called. No demon teleported behind me and stole my soul. I don't think my employers even know. Like I said, I think I found a loophole they never considered. The next several deliveries did nothing unusual, most don't. I don't think it's because of any of these packages are, you know, normal. No, I think it's the opposite. It's just whatever's wrong with them isn't always visible. When I do see something strange, it's always, it's always different. One delivery in New Mexico started bulging outwards like it was breathing in and out for hundreds of miles. There was another package, 
a small one that almost bulged out, but instead of the entire surface bulging out, it was only like little dimples that would move around in certain areas. Sort of imagine like fingers or something like that trying to press out, only they moved in no pattern of a hand. There was one package that turned itself over and over, like a rectangular opaque hamster ball, but they never moved once from its original position. There was another one that floated. Whenever I braked or turned corners, it would drift in the appropriate direction, then drift back. There was one that burst into a flame. It was small at first, the same flame about the size of a lit match. It grew though, and slower than you would have expected from a paper-wrapped package. By the time half of the package had ignited, the trunk was filling with smoke. I should have been able to smell it, but somehow I just didn't. A few miles later, and it was fully engulfed. I could hardly see the flames through the smoke. In time, the camera went fully black. That was the only time I ever stopped a car to check. I opened up the trunk and the package and everything else was perfectly normal. I grabbed a Coke out of the case, just for cover, just because, you know, I had a strange feeling I was being watched. One time, a package started to turn itself inside out. I saw bubble wrap just before I turned off the feed. I don't know if that counted as inspecting the contents of the package, but I didn't want to risk it. I never turned the feed on again until that package had been delivered. I'm not trying to be facetious or do some sort of unknowable cosmic horror thing. I literally just can't describe it, but here is my best attempt. The package flattened out like the scent of fresh strawberries. The package upwised ponderously like a green barnacle. The package integrated an overripe mirror. It's like I have explanation aphasia. I have a real conundrum here. There's a part of me that wants to quit, put in two weeks notice. Thank you, it was nice working for you, then retire in some mansion on a tropical island and never worry about it again. A part of me wants to know and see through this though. I'll never have a connection to the paranormal again. How can I live with myself if I leave now without understanding? I think if I just keep going, it's all going to come to a head at some point anyway. It's starting to leak out. The supernatural. I don't know if it's just in my head or if it's a world of itself. I don't know if I am somehow being enveloped by it. As far as I know, my employers still have not noticed. Sometimes when I'm driving in the dark at night or in stormy weather, I'll see a pair of headlights, perfectly normal headlights, except there's no car behind them. They'll move around, drive like a car would. Sometimes they come in the opposite direction and they're gone in a flash. Sometimes they're in another lane going the same direction and then they'll be overtaking you and disappear. It's very hard to explain. I don't know what they are, and sometimes I see freeway exits that aren't supposed to be there. Exit 189 Airport Way, Exit 190 Martin Luther King Way, Exit 191 Commercial Street, Exit 828761 Tan Hossers Crypt. I haven't taken any of those exits. I keep going, and I'm getting more tempted, but I'm terrified of what I'll discover on them. There's a radio channel I've discovered, AM Band. If I'm able to find it, it's usually the same frequency wherever I am in the country. That shouldn't be possible. It's one of those evangelical channels, fire and brimstone type preachers. It's playing 24 hours a day, the same guy nonstop, no commercials. He hardly takes a breath. He likes to preach about damnation and estecology, weird people names and places from all over from extinct languages. When he quotes Bible verses, they're usually verses that aren't actually in the Bible, at least from no canon that I know. 
I check in the Bibles and hotel rooms every night, and I'm pretty sure I'm starting... I'm st I'll start finding them someday, I guess, but not in the versions of the Bible that are provided to us. Something has to happen. I can quit the paranormal, and it will still be there. My employers can discover and close the loophole or something else. Maybe something worse than my employers finding me will happen to me. It's all very distracting. I think that's part of the reason I don't remember where I am when I wake up. It's not always just restless sleep. I think I'll wake up in a place that doesn't really exist someday. It's like the whole world, or at least my world, is coming apart at the seams. I wonder, what would happen if I installed a microphone? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories that will freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, even though they are different from what I normally would cover on this channel, please be sure to punch that like button. It helps me out a ton, and the more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join the Swamp Dwellers and subscribe? Be sure you turn on notifications so you don't miss a single episode. I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. There's also an email in the description if you'd like to send it in that way. I'd love to see your story and share it with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you can give us a five-star rating on those platforms, it's very helpful, and I would appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for supporting the swamp the way you do. I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.